Hey guys, thanks for hopping back on the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers, and today is an exciting episode for me personally because I get to share my late season success story. This year was a real grind, that second half of the year, and I was finally able to get it done down to the wire. So i uh, really excited to share that story. Travis and I talk about our uh, upcoming 2021 plans and BS a little bit, but uh Not only do I get to share this hunt with you guys through the podcast, but uh, we have footage of how the hunt went down and I was able to self-film this hunt and we're hoping to put the the video up by Wednesday uh, of this week. So get a little taste of uh, what happened with the story and then the video later this week. So I hope you guys enjoy and we'll just jump right into the podcast now. All right, we're rolling. Travis, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Saw you killed a pretty nice buck the other night. I know, man. I can't, I can't even believe it, really, because, I mean, you know, you you hunt all year and and you're really grinding and and you, you're hoping that that chance that chance presents itself and right. I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity. And you did it on film, which freaking after watching the film tonight, dude, kudos, cause. I think I would just throw the camera down and shot him if I was in the same position. But I, I mean, I haven't had uh, the opportunity to kill. Uh, I just killed one fairly nice deer one time. So if if a buck like well, that, came, hopefully we can get you on some bigger I, deer and I'd more like mature to. deer in the in the upcoming seasons. Yeah, I'll trade you some uh, turkeys for some deer. How about that? <laughs> uh, I think that would be all right. I think. Uh, you know that I don't want to jump the gun, you know, uh, on turkey season, but I can't help have that in the back of my mind in January. And you know what I mean? Yeah. No. After, after, uh, I mean, all these seasons are coming to a close, and obviously, next thing I look at is sheds and uh, and turkeys, and turkeys are my favorite. So. <laughs> And the yeah. thing is, I've got a few new properties this year that I'm going to try and uh, going to go with a few different um, people that uh, said they have some honey holes. I'm going to try to film, call for them. And uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I think me and you are going to get in on some pretty good action. Cause... I think so, too, man. And, and, you know, let's just kind of talk maybe about our upcoming 2021, you know, what we're looking forward to and uh, I'll just start by saying you know obviously shed season's coming up you know we've got a guy coming on the podcast we're excited to to talk sheds with and hopefully uh learn a thing or two before we get out there and go look for them right and uh not only that you know I think I'm thinking about doing some traveling this year for turkey season yeah I'm my plan is 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 to try to to hit up Oklahoma, come back for the Missouri season, and then head out to Nebraska. What about you? Yeah. Well, um, hopefully, I'd like to. Uh, I'm definitely gonna do Missouri season. Um, hopefully, we'll make it out to Nebraska together, and then uh, I'm putting in for an elk tag for New Mexico, and then uh, me and you before the podcast we were talking about maybe putting in for Wyoming, but. Uh, that'll we'll have to see, see uh, we'll just uh, i'm thinking it'll just mostly be points this year because right. i mean i think you need like a two-point average just to even be drawn okay. i mean you can get lucky right but, yeah but uh, why waste a point whenever right. if you can save up three points and then have a pretty good percentage of a chance no. to go and then you can save up money and you know plan your your time ahead but absolutely you know, I've got you know, I've got a lot of plans to uh work with my, my new pup, Archie. Right? Yeah. Uh, train him to do Dude. some waterfowl retrieving. I'm real we've been work we've been working, you know, every day and you know, I've got a dog, um, that's older than Archie and, and he's gun shy. He's great and he's a very loyal pet. Right. He does really good with blood tracking deer, but he's he's gun shy and right. uh he just doesn't have that spunk and that confidence this pup you can tell yeah i haven't shot a gun around him yet we're gonna do that soon um but he's he's fired up yeah yeah and this summer i mean that's a good summer project too i mean absolutely being able to 
have a dog get I feel like the best time to get a dog is like right around January area because all your seasons are coming to a close and your dogs well if you get it in like December or January then by the time all the seasons have closed it's time to start training that dog they're at the age where they are starting to learn and you can you know figure out who they're going to be whether they're going to be timid or you know bullheaded or whatever and then you can adapt your training to to that dog too so but and then you've got all summer and then next year hopefully you'll be able to take I'm out. hoping uh Let's one say. obstacle I've found uh we we got this dog at about seven and a half weeks old and that was right around Thanksgiving I think it was actually the day of Thanksgiving we we got him and the one obstacle that I've found by getting a dog that early in like November is that he's about 14 weeks now mm-hmm. and I'm wanting to introduce him to water, but it's freezing frozen. cold. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you don't want him to be turned off by that. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's something that I, I did find it was kind of, eh, but I think he's going to love it. You know, mm-hmm. most labs do. Right. It's just, I got to make sure it's the right time. And I mean, you don't want to introduce them. Oh, you don't want to force them into the water whenever it is freezing cold. But like, I I had a lab. Um, oh, I was still in high school, and I was just walking around with her out in the woods, and uh, there was a pond that um, it had ice around the edges, and it wasn't thick ices. I mean, fairly something thin. you could break through with a step, right? But it was cold. I mean, the, the there was snow on the ground, and I remember she ran in and jumped in the water, and I was like, "This dog is crazy," you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I didn't know at that time. I was you know sixteen, seventeen years old. I didn't know what I needed to be looking for, but she loved it. She ate it up. She. Well, I'll I'll give it a try for sure. Um, I did try it when he was about 10 weeks old mm-hmm. when it on a, on a warm day right. obviously the water temperature doesn't change as fast as the day does right. and he didn't seem too interested but I, i'll definitely give it another shot coming up um it was pretty warm today i thought about doing it today we just ended up doing some retrieving and marks and, and right. stuff like that and but, there's nothing wrong with that i mean hmm. Just take it at whatever pace that you feel comfortable with. And him too, you know. Yeah. You gotta. It's first of all training a dog. From what I've learned so far is not just knowing what the dog's abilities are gonna be, but knowing yourself and how you're gonna train them too, because that's they the thing, pay attention to like. how you are too. Yeah, and you gotta. I mean, that's the thing. I'm no professional dog trainer by any means, but my dad always always trained uh, like. Um, livestock dogs and sheep dogs and stuff like that and uh and yeah no it, it he has a set way that he does things that he's always done things and he knows that work and that's the biggest thing is you've got to find out how you're gonna do it I feel like like you need to to know you know um and kind of figure out your training method and what best fits you and what best fits your dog and that's the thing I, I tried training my lab, and she ended up being a, a fairly decent dog. There's some things that now I would do different, but um, whenever I was a kid, I just didn't have enough patience, and that's yeah. that was on me. That yep. wasn't the dog's fault. Um, but definitely, a- anyways. But change of topics. Well, we're gonna talk about your deer, your buck. Yeah. I'm I'm pumped to be tagged out. It's uh, January thirteenth, and you know I don't have to worry about it anymore, man. They they didn't make it easy. Obviously, pushed right. it down to the wire. I ended up shooting this deer on January sixth. So, you know, I this is the first time that I've ever shot a buck in January. Right. So <laughs> honestly, I didn't know that. Like being a bird hunter, and I I run coyotes with dogs. And I bird hunt. And I honestly, like, didn't know that very many people hunted after January. Um, and then we, you know, got We had closer. a podcast last yeah. week, and I was telling you, hey, I'm seeing some bucks on right. the field. You were talking about, like, our, you know, still being on them. And I was, I went home that night, and I was like, man, 
maybe I should start looking. I actually, I did hunt some deer that I had been seeing and got close, but. Well, that's important, you know, that you took a little bit away from what I was just saying. And, and the biggest thing that I, I preach in the late season is that you got to go where the deer are. Like, right. I've got a buddy, he was telling me, yeah, man, I'm going to go hunt all week this week up until the end of the season. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can hunt all day, every day. But if you're not hunting where the deer are, you're just wasting yeah, your time. wasting time. And in January, it's even more miserable to be in a deer stand than it. To me, there's a lot of times whenever I'm getting froze out and I'm sitting there for hours, like waterfowl hunting, you can move around, you can talk, you know, but deer hunting you're you're dead still you're not making any movement you can't walk around and get warm like and to me if you're not seeing anything and you're out there freezing your butt off that makes like i i probably got burnt out a lot quicker than what most people have like in high school and stuff i would go out and sit just trying to see something and i didn't know you know what to look for and I wasn't hunting where the deer were, and I was just out there freezing my butt off. So, you know, one thing I'll say is that not only hunting where the deer are, that's the important thing. you got to go out and find them, you know, cruising gravel roads, you know, looking through your binoculars and uh, just glassing and, and trying to find these deer. You know, you're obviously looking on heavy ag for the most mm -hmm. part is where you're going to find a lot of these herds of deer that's where I found mine. Yeah, yeah. and and you had a a good hunt. It uh -huh. Just uh, the wind got yeah, a hold of you. Wind didn't it? got me. There was a a box stand that uh, I had hunted before, and mostly gun season. But I was I figured being in a box, the wind was wrong for it. But the deer had been in that area. Um, just seeing them whenever I I walked back there a couple times. And just I'm I'm glad you threw that out there. Um, you know, Travis. You, you can't obviously hunt the wrong winds, especially during this time of the year. I will tell you, you were telling me about um, how this when the season is it's this time of the year and you're cold and, and there's just not a lot of motivation to go out there. I can, I can totally relate. Um, you know, I was feeling burnt out. I was hunting mostly afternoons at, at this point in the year just because Getting up in the morning wasn't oh really my gosh. Uh, climb out of exciting. a nice warm bed to go into the freezing cold to maybe see a deer. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, that's the and that's one thing I I want to say. You've done the impossible because you got me instead of going goose hunting in January. <laughs> You got me in a deer stand in January. And I didn't even know. And you didn't even know it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, man, because that's going to set you up pretty well for next season because late seasons, I mean, it's a good time to find a, a buck. But it, listen, let's be honest. It sucks. Right. It does. You, yeah. Nobody wants to have a tag in their pocket in January. Right, yeah. <laughs> in Missouri, anyways. Dude, I was, I was sitting in that box blind, uh, and I was thinking, it, it's elevated box blind. And it has a, a big window on it that I just leave open because, you know, I don't want to make any movement or noise or whatever. And I was sitting there and there was four deer came out and then there was one more that came out to the right. And I pulled up my binos and it looked like a little four point. But um, my father-in-law informed me later because he has that deer on camera because I said it was real wide, but it mm -hmm. wouldn't be. And uh, he said, I think I have that deer on camera. I think it's a six, but it would be, it's very symmetrical. He'll be a nice deer someday. Hopefully he doesn't stay a six point because yeah, Missouri okay. yeah. and, and, and the counties we hunt. Right, right. Four point restriction on one side and all yeah, that. Yeah, but, but I'm sure next year he'll probably blow up a little bit. But he's, I mean, he's real wide. And I was, I was looking at him and I was like, well, can't shoot that. So stuck my binos down. I was looking at these other four deer and this six point comes in a little bit closer and he's i don't know 100 yards away 120 but the wind's blowing straight at him but i would figure mm -hmm. being in a box blind i'm not that experienced of a i've heard a lot of the i mean those redneck blinds and stuff i don't know what kind of blind you were hunting in but this is homemade they're able to to kind of hold your scent in there mm -hmm. you know 
obviously it didn't work out right. for you. Well, but also it, I got done feeding cattle, so uh, um, like, I probably smelled delightful. Right. Well, I, I probably smelled like alfalfa, fresh yeah. alfalfa. Well, then they should have so, worked their way that's in. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I just uh, went out there and I got done feeding cattle. I had like an hour or two of sunlight and didn't have time to go get anything else. And I was like, well, I'll just go sit in this box blind and see what I see. And he winded me and he took off. And whenever he took off, I pulled my binos up. And then I realized that the other four deer were also bucks. It was just, they're too far and it was kind of gray. Low light. Yeah. Low light. And they were probably, I don't know, 200 yards away or whatever. And I was, I, I don't know. They looked like they're, some of them were fairly decent, but I don't know. I, maybe I'll get lucky, and I might go. Well, we got two days left. Yeah, I so. might go out tomorrow or something and and try, if, and try to. I don't know what the wind's gonna be. I need to check, but yeah, I, w- I would I would check the wind definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but tomorrow night I might learn your lesson. Out. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the podcast episode up to this point. I just wanted to pause the episode at this point because I wanted to let you know that Travis did go back in the next evening on that bachelor group of bucks and he got it done on his first bow buck and it just proves as a testament to what we're saying in this episode about going and finding the food finding the deer in the late season and I know it's tough to get out there in the cold and in the weather conditions that the late season brings. But if you can find the deer, find where they're eating, then you too can be successful. Um, Just wanted to point that out and congrats to Travis. And I hope I got him hooked on deer now. But uh, we'll go ahead and jump back in and you can hear how my hunt went down. That'd be but cool. One thing I notice about the the late late season is that if you do find the deer mm-hmm. and you get close to them, it can be some of the most intense hunting of the whole entire season because of like what you said, a single whiff, mm-hmm. a single movement, they're right. going to bust out of there. There's they're they're not gonna think about oh I'm curious what's going on they're not rutted no, up they're at all <laughs> they said see ya right. I actually had a hunt uh, a couple nights before I shot my buck where I was in the deer and I had about twenty deer out in the field and I had these hand warmers in my pocket and I go to take the hand warmer out and it brushes against my pocket. And all the deer throw their head up in the air, and they're, like, sniffing around. They're like, what was that noise? That's right. not a natural noise. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, when you're sitting in a tree stand and you're seeing that many deer and, you know, you make the wrong move, it can be very, very tense and, and exciting because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. And you hope that you didn't screw the whole hunt up. Right. But, uh yeah, fortunately for me, I didn't screw up the hunt. I know. In that scenario. And watching it, there, because, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, there was one point where you bumped your camera mount and you had to, you were already pulled back and you had to reset your camera. Yeah. And we'll get into that more oh when I gosh. get to tell a story, but. Oh my gosh, yeah. dude. I was not there i just watched the video and my heart was pounding for you <laughs> like uh, like it was intense and i was yeah I you was, kept it together fairly well i mean well you could say that i was fortunate enough to to be able to to kind of bounce back whenever things were going wrong right um so i guess i should probably tell you about yeah, just tell what the happened. story tell the story so I guess we should probably take it back a little bit, maybe recap about how my 2020 season was going um, before we jump into the late season uh, success that I had. And so I got back from my elk trip, and it was you know about 10 to 15 days until gun season, which I had to wait out right? because um, I already filled my tag early October. So go through – we'll get back from, from – Wyoming and my eye has been bugging me dude yeah no because when we went on uh when we went on that duck hunt you were videoing 
Yeah, that and was like November something. I mean, it was early November. Right. <laughs> we'll just and say that. I felt, dude, I felt bad. I was like, man, you like you need to wear sunglasses because your eye was like dilated. I, yeah, I was sensitive to light. Um, and I had blurry vision, and the doctors ended up saying that it was something that just kind of spontaneously happens sometimes to people. And uh, unfortunately AKA, for me... A.K.A. that they didn't know what happened. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but they acted like they did. Right. So uh, I get... They tell me I can gun hunt, though. And, and, I'm, and I can see well enough to, to gun hunt. Right, especially with the magnification of a of a scope. Right, but uh, I was I was nervous. I mean, I I would never obviously shoot at anything. I didn't know what I was shooting at, right. but I wanted to make sure I was shooting these bucks that I was going after, not some immature buck based off of my right, right. eye. Well, I I go through gun season and in the mornings, right before you know you you can hunt thirty minutes before sunrise, my eye. It you know you can't see what's going on out there. Thirty minutes before sunset, you can't see what's going on out there. So the whole gun season, I'm questioning everything I see and and I'm letting things go. And, and really, I didn't have the opportunity to uh, kill a buck that I was after. And uh, so season passes and no luck for me. Luckily, my wife killed a really yeah. big ten pointer. Yeah, she did kill a nice ten pointer. And. Uh, you know, I, I hunted a little bit of the post, the post, uh, the bow season after the gun season, and my eye was still messing with me. So I decided to take some time off and let it heal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was one thing to have a gun and, and be able to have that scope to magnify everything, but when I was looking through the bow, shooting at my my target at home, I just couldn't do it. So. I waited till about midway through December to start hunting again, and uh, my hope was that I would catch some of that secondary rut mm-hmm. that everyone talks about, and I I didn't, you know, I didn't catch it, and I knew about a spot that I had that I had previously hunted slash scouted in previous years, mm-hmm. and I knew that you know deer like to flock there in the late season because there's not a lot of pressure during the regular season and there's a lot of cover and there's usually a lot of food mm-hmm. so i was like okay i'm going to wait until that moment where these deer are going to be there based off experience so i get in and it's around christmas time obviously i enjoyed the holidays with my family and stuff i i did actually hunt uh, my 17 acres a few times during that time but had no luck and i'm like okay after christmas is over i'm gonna check Get this spot out i glass it one night and sure enough there's like 20 deer in the field so i'm like okay i need to go in there um i didn't see any you know big antlers or anything so i was like well usually if there's does somewhere there's going to be a buck you know making sure that nothing's coming to heat even in january you know or into december so i went in there the first night and saw like 20 does come out and had had a farmer lime in his fields that night so i was really frustrated all right I was thinking, man, this guy's going to screw up my hunt. But as soon as they left, it was like the deer didn't care one bit. They just come right on out, and they fed. And, you know, about 250 yards out, I spot this eight-pointer, and I don't know where he comes from. I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. Right. So I, I'm videoing him. Obviously, I'm trying to self-film all these hunts, and... I'm videoing him, and I'm like, all right, let's see what a grunt does. So I grunt at him a couple times, and he notices. He hears it. It's a pretty calm night. And he comes in to about 80 yards, and he's just stuck on 80 yards. And I don't grunt. I don't do anything. I'm thinking, this is the biggest buck that I see out here. I mean, there was a couple other bucks out there, and right. he's he's the biggest one. So I'm thinking... He's probably the most dominant. Right. So I snort wheeze to try to challenge him. 
Well, I can tell you that a snort wheeze in late December doesn't work like it does in November. <laughs> right. Because he tucked his tail and ran about to the next county. <laughs> or so I thought. You know, It was pretty open area uh, of ag, so you think, okay, he's he's going to the next county. But, you know, it's probably just like half a mile. Right. <laughs> but I watched him, and as the sun, you know, fell down, you know, that I had to creep on out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I waited a couple of days to hunt that spot again, and I did hunt it, and I moved on them. This time, I was like, okay. I saw all these deer pile out of this area. I didn't see where that buck came out of, but I was like, you know, maybe he came out where they did. And so I moved. I made a move, and it happened to be the perfect move. Like, these deer were coming right out underneath my stand heck yeah i'm like yes this is gonna happen tonight's the night and of course you make the move but sometimes it doesn't always work out and that's the great thing about deer hunting is that you just you know you you think you have it figured out and they're like nope yeah not quite yeah and so no bucks showed up that night and uh i was like eh. and these does they stayed out pretty late and i tried to beat them out of the woods um, like I said, it's pretty open area and they stayed feeding until dark and, you know, I've got things to do at home. Right. You know, I can't just sit here and watch these deer until the middle of the night when they decide to move off. So I just decided to coyote howl and it looked like I was parting the Red Sea. <laughs> they all just <laughs> divided. One, yeah, they just, half of them split one way and half of them split the other. And I was hoping that, that, you know, that they weren't concerned about a human presence but right. maybe a coyote coyote was moving through the area yeah and they just didn't want to be so around. i took the advantage of that snuck on out of there and that was the end of that hunt and then i i hunted a couple other places because i was i was discouraged uh of not seeing that buck so i went out and i hunted a, a few other places and if you keep up with the 573's instagram and facebook stories then mm. you know i was i was grinding pretty much every day trying to find the right deer to shoot and right. uh you know i hunted different areas mostly focusing on transition areas to food from bedding in the afternoons and i was like oh man this isn't working out you know i'm 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 hunting all these areas and i'm not finding them and i just i just you know take your own advice steven hunt where the deer are right and so I'm like, I got to go back to that spot. And one of the nights, actually it was last week. I mean, it's it's pretty recent, obviously. Right. Uh, I decided that I was, I mean, we had a podcast coming up. So I was like, okay, well, we got to do this podcast. <laughs> I remember that night. Yeah, you came in, you're like, well, there's deer in my spot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I glassed it. I mean, I couldn't hunt it because I we had a guest on, and I didn't, you know, obviously want to be late for that. You right. Know, it makes you look bad and whatnot. But so I glassed the field before coming over, and these deer were out at 3.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, there's like five bucks in the field. Yep. And I'm like, okay. So some deer have moved in since I've been there. Mm-hmm. And because I think I hunted, the last time I had hunted that area was December 28th. And then I went back in there. Uh, the podcast we had was like on January 5th. Yeah, January 5th. And then... And January 6th. Comes January around. 6th comes around. So I'm like, checking the wind. It's the same wind as it was the night before. So I'm like, okay. Then they're probably coming out of the same area. Mm-hmm. So I make another move. Um, I access it. I walk it through like... A big open ag field. I probably walked like half a mile to three quarters of a mile to get to the spot. And I stand in the area where I think they're going to come out at. And I'm just looking. I'm just, I'm right next to all the uh, the timber. And I'm just looking at what tree, what's going to be the perfect tree, what's going to get it done tonight. Because for me, it's not just about like going and being where the deer are, but it's how am I going to get within bow range of this deer and without them smelling me this time of year? Every, everybody's on alert. And I was telling you earlier, you know, it's so intense during this time of the year when you're hunting because 
one wrong move screws it up for the rest of the night. You might as well just go home for the most part. Um, so I'm looking, I'm like 10 yards off the tree line and I'm just looking for a spot to sit. I probably spent five minutes looking for the right tree. Just standing there because if you, you move to the left, they might catch your ground scent. You move to the right, you want to make the right move first. Right. So I'm standing there, and sure enough, I must have made a move or something. Like I said, I'm kind of out in the open, and off the opposite point from where I'm standing, there was like 10 to 15 deer, and they just spook off. They must have saw me out in the middle of the open off this point, and I'm like... Well, that sucks. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> and I watched them run off, and I didn't see any antlers, so I'm like, eh. There's enough deer in here that I know that maybe I didn't spook the bucks. I spooked some of the does. So I, I finally decide what tree I'm going to sit in at that moment because I'm like, well, I better get in the tree that I think is the most promising. So I get in the tree, and... um. Probably 45 minutes later, these deer start working out into this cove that I'm hunting. And they're working out towards this field where I've been seeing them. And, you know, piles of does are coming out. And I'm like, okay. So, obviously, I didn't spook the whole deer herd. And I'm actually, I was actually, you know... Sometimes in the stand, it gets a little boring. I was working on posting that podcast we did last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I look up, and there's some does. I'm like, okay, well, I better, I better yeah. put it up. And I've been watching the does, getting a little bit of B-roll from them. And I look into the woods, and I see antlers. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And sure enough, it's a bachelor group of bucks. And I'm like, perfect. And the last buck that comes is a shooter. I'm like, yes, this is this is what I've been waiting for. This is the type of buck I've been looking to shoot, self-filming in the late season. I mean, it, it's everything's perfect. And so I, you know, uh, get the video on and, and I'm, you know, watching the bucks come through the cove. And, and this particular buck that I had the most interest in takes a different route than the rest of them. He decides to come almost downwind of me, which obviously that's how the big ones live, right? right. You know, they make a different move than the immature deer. So he almost gets downwind of me. Luckily, I'm about ten yard, five to ten yards into the woods, and he's working that edge. So he doesn't quite get perfectly downwind of me. He comes up and he's walking towards me and i tell you my heart is thumping i don't doubt it like i mean you guys are gonna have to watch the video because <laughs> I, I got pumped up watching it and i'm not even a deer hunter it's just it was it was, was a wild ton of pressure like well you're trying to self-film yeah and, and i've been hunting from mid-december until almost mid-jan or no i guess not mid early january and this is the moment that I've been waiting for. Right. This is this, the moment the buck that you've been waiting for comes out and he's literally like you could drop a rock on him. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he works towards me out of this cove. Like I said, he takes a different route than the rest of the deer. He basically goes to the base of my tree. I'm more talking. I mean, I definitely could have spit on him. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm not high up the tree. I'm probably... 10 to 15 feet up in the tree and that's because it allowed me to shoot two different sides of this tree line because i didn't know where exactly the bucks were going to come from but i wanted to make sure if they come out in one of the spots that i didn't think they were going to that i had a shot right and so he comes to the tree and if you watch the video which you guys will get to see on youtube the buck is right there. You're like wondering, why isn't he shooting this deer? Well, my camera is facing this deer, and I cannot see if it's actually in the frame. And there's also a limb over its head, and he was looking right at you. Right, yeah, he's looking right at me. 
I'm not even sure how he doesn't figure out what I am, but he doesn't, but he knows something's not right. So he kind of spooks about five yards and goes back out into this cove. And so I'm like, okay, he's setting broadside from me. I've got him in frame. I can see it all. I start to draw back. When I start to draw back, he spooks again. This time he works his way out, way out into the field. And I'm like, okay, he's going to head to the next county. Well, there was already a group of does out there and a couple young bucks. So he stops. He decides to stop, but he puts every other deer out there on edge when he does. And so all these deer are on edge. They decide, we're going to run to the nearest cover, which happens to be right back past my stand <laughs> where they came out. And for whatever reason, he decides to follow them. And he's like the last one that comes through and he you know he comes about 30 yards and normally I wouldn't stop the deer if he hadn't been if he'd already been on alert I wouldn't try to stop him but he was at 30 yards and every time they had hit from where the field to the grass started they just took off into the woods and he was at the field working his way towards where the grass started and I was thinking, okay, he's going to take off like the rest of the deer. So I hit him with that, you know, signature. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I think he stopped, you know. I, I at least thought he did. And I pulled back, hit the camera. And so the camera's off balance. So I have to, like, push the camera into his view again. With your aiming hand. While I have the bow pulled back. Right. Or with your... In bow hand. Yeah, yeah. Instead of your string hand, you had to reset the camera. Right. On on him. On him while you're drawn back. While it's... Know, knowing that these deer know that something's not right. Right. He's already on edge. You just tried stopping him. And you think he stopped. Bumps the camera. <laughs> like, I think literally stopped. the most like on edge moment you could get for a self filmed hunt on whitetail. Like and but I mean I'll let you continue. Yeah, I just, no, I just it, wanted to emphasize how crazy that situation like, three was. seconds was and all the stuff that you had to think about. Absolutely, because the ultimate thing is to put the correct shot on them. Right. You know? And for a minute I was side not even a minute I mean obviously it was for a second I got sidetracked. Right. And when I, you know, tried to stop the deer with my noise, um, I was already pulled back on him, adjusted the camera, and I shot. And immediately when I shot, I knew, I was like, that was not a good shot. At the same time that I knew it wasn't a good shot, I also noticed a lot of blood on the initial impact. And I ended up shooting him back and high, which, you know, you'll get to see in the video if you watch it. But I immediately am just distraught. I'm like, that was terrible. What happened? Why did I rush that? So I, you know, I do my post interview after the shot and I'm thinking about what to do. And I text my father-in-law and I'm like, I just shot this deer. What should I do? He said, "Climb down. Let's go look at on it at the big on the big screen if you got the shot on on film." So we we meet up, we look we plug it into the big screen and and we watch the shot and he's like, "Dude, good luck finding that one." And I'm obviously discouraged <laughs> at this point. He said, "We're not going in to check it until tomorrow." And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this was the, probably the last chance I'm going to get, you know, I'll ultimately when I shoot my bow, I practice year round during the season. And I'm like, this is, this is not the shot that I want to put on a deer. So we continue to look at the film. We slow motion everything. And he notices that there's a lot of blood pouring out of the deer at the entrance of the woods. Mm -hmm. And he said, 
I think you hit it. We Googled arteries on a deer, and he's like, I think you hit it, the aorta, where it, like, bifurcates to right. become the femoral arteries. Uh, he's like, I think you hit it. And then we watched the deer's reaction, and you saw you said something about the deer's reaction yeah, without no, even knowing. Whenever, whenever it took off, and it was... It, it ran gimpy, which, I mean, anything that gets shot is going to run gimpy, but it, it wasn't running real fast. It's almost like the back legs gave out. Right, right, the back legs, like, not like a spine shot where they just drop, but, like, like he couldn't hardly move them. And I don't, I don't know if it was oxygen or if that, was the arrow stuck in him or did it pass through or... I'll get to that. Okay. All right, I'll get to that. Cause um, I, I just, I just from he just looked that, weak in the knees, as yeah, they would he, say. He looked, he looked like he wasn't running real far, and just because of how he took off, I said something about it. But and I was smiling because I was like, well, I know why. because yeah, <laughs> I ultimately knew what what, what the result. Right. We was. yeah, we both knew what the result was, and that's why whenever you shot him on on film. Especially after getting me to that, you know, point of excitement and having that, you know, couple of catastrophes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was just like, a, a freaking wide range of emotions. Roller coaster, yeah. And then once you do shoot him on film, I said, heck yeah, even though it was, it was far back, but I knew the ultimate, you know goal was to get a shot on and, film and, and what happened yeah what ethically. ended up happening is you ended up finding him and whenever he took off running the way he took off just looked pretty off to me because mm -hmm. i and i mean i've never seen a deer take off like that usually it's either they drop they take off like from where that hit was. Right. They either drop or they just or they just take keep off running. like nothing happened. You mm -hmm. know, like it's not like you know I've never seen one <laughs> run quite like that one did. And once everybody sees it on film, hopefully they'll agree. But, Recognize it too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so, you know, immediately my father-in-law changed his whole perspective on what he thought happened after he seen the blood pouring out at the entrance uh, when it was running off, and he's like. I bet you would go right now and we'll find him 40 yards into the woods. And I said, as confident as I am in your opinion, and I trust his opinion a lot because he's very experienced in, in hunting and, and you know that, but uh, I was like, we got to give this deer some time. So I went to my nephew's birthday party and enjoyed that for a few hours. I mean, I shot that buck at 342 in the afternoon. I mean, we're talking early. We're yeah. an hour and a half before dark. Um so, you know, I got down and we, and we checked the video and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just go to this party that I, you know, need to go to and it'll kind of keep, try to keep my mind off of, of the situation we're in and we'll come back later that evening and, and check it out. And so we ended up getting to the spot around nine o'clock in the evening. So we give him probably, you know, five and a half hours of time to expire and... We didn't find the arrow off impact, but we did. It was muddy enough in the area that we could see where exactly he had been shot. Right. Because he had, his hooves had just Dug in. kicked the dirt up, you know. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely see where he took off. And because we had the video, we knew where we had saw a majority of his bleeding. So we started right there at the entrance of the woods. And... Uh, and sure enough, there there was blood there, but it was sparse, and it was one, on one side. So we're like, okay, maybe the deer, maybe the arrow is still in him because it's only one side bleeding. Usually, when you get a pass through, you definitely tell blood is on both sides. And so we follow this into the woods about forty yards, and he starts bleeding on both sides. And so we flip the camera on, and we're like, okay, we're feeling pretty confident that right. this might have been exactly what we were talking about. And sure enough, we probably walked another another 40 yards with bleeding on both sides. And there he was uh -oh. laying there Heck yeah. stiff as a board. So he must have died within minutes of me shooting him, which is fantastic to know. Right, yeah. Because obviously my goal was to shoot him as 
and kill them as quickly as as they as can possible, expire because yeah. you know you want to be ethical about it but that's in bow hunting that's not always the case i mean we got to be honest with ourselves things happen right i was just very fortunate that it didn't happen and that deer was able to expire quickly and i was able to get all the meat off of him yeah, you know that, what i mean that's what's i mean n- nothing went to waste and i i mean i've shot deer with a rifle and they run you know 80 yards or whatever and it will be a lung shot or a heart shot and I don't know if it's something about the um, impact and like the explosion that gives them enough adrenaline to make it that far, but the the bow they're kill- just tough animals sometimes right. too. You know the the bow kills I have had, I feel like if they're vital hits, it almost seems like they die quicker or expire oh, yeah. quicker. Like both of my elk have ran less than sixty yards, and then. The doe I killed, she probably ran, I don't know, 60 to 80, somewhere in there. But, and from the sounds of it, you hit an artery, and it took him about, what do you think, 100 yards to bleed out? Uh, we we uh, pinned it for Onyx, on the Onyx app, and it was about approximately 100 yards. I mean, give yeah. or take five yards. But Right on. Well, so, I mean, honestly... Yeah, especially for that shot. I mean, you can't you can't ask for anything better. No. I mean, a hundred yards expiration, that's quick. Yep. That's fifteen and, seconds. And, and if that. we gave him five hours, and I bet I bet my father in law father in law was right. I bet right. I guarantee you that deer had died while I was sitting in the tree stand. Right. Um. But you know, obviously we Low didn't want to push him. We wanted him to be <laughs> dead in that last bed. Right. And. uh and he was, thankfully. Yeah. Heck yeah. So cause of death, low blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it you know, Heck I yeah, was man. I was very, very excited because I mean I've been working my tail off to get a buck on the ground and a right. buck on film and now I've got plenty of deer steaks to last me through the spring yeah. and summer. See that's the thing, I, I didn't uh I should have uh, killed a, a doe at least or something just to get deer steaks. But I, I'm i sure mom and dad probably have some deer steaks. <laughs> and also... They'd be uh, willing to lend you. I did butcher one deer, and it was a buddy of mine from out of state. He came in and uh, killed a deer on my family's property, and uh, it was fun seeing him get amped up. Yeah. Um, it was just a doe, but... It, he got amped up just because from where he he's from somewhere that d- doesn't have whitetail and so he was super excited and uh that's that and it, it was i enjoy was getting people out and i cannot wait i think our plans are to scout your uh hunting spots this weekend and yeah. trying to get an idea of what the deer are doing out there so we can hopefully get you killing a mature buck yeah. next season i hope I hope, man, because, I mean, I know we've got them around. It's just I never, I was always bird-brained, you mm-hmm. know, chasing birds. So the I never, waterfowl will do that to you. Right, dude. And <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, maybe you'll change my mind again because I never would have thought I would go deer hunting in January. But uh, I, I am excited to, to see what I've got around there. I know we've got big, big bucks around my property but uh like i said i never really cared to chase them too much and i've always been after waterfowl um especially in september um just because yeah. teal season yep. i mean that's that's nostalgic <laughs> <laughs> teal teal hunting is well, nostalgic um, for me but i'm i'm excited to uh to do some scouting and, and check out the areas and uh hopefully we can get you on one sorry about the damn dog you i guess isn't used to people being awake at right. you know, eight <laughs> nine o'clock at night. <laughs> There's a possum out there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, cool. Yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll be shooting some spring turkey and uh you know, I can't wait to present the video to you guys in uh in a couple weeks of this buck that I shot and we're gonna we're gonna be putting some some videos, some old videos we have on on YouTube and so, 
Um, you can you can catch that at the five seven three no space in between on YouTube. And uh, appreciate if you you subscribe and like the videos and whatnot, even if you don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, you know, we appreciate you guys' support definitely. And um, if you haven't joined already um, on Facebook, we've got the five seven three forum. Um, we've been doing that for quite a while, and there's some some guys have uh, all season have been posting some pretty good stuff on there, and then. The 573 on Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? Oh, you would ask me that. It's, uh, I think the underscore is like with the line that's at the bottom, right? Right, correct. So it's underscore the underscore 573. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can catch us on Instagram, Facebook. We have a page on Facebook. And now you can catch us on YouTube. And, uh, we hope you guys have been enjoying these podcasts. And if you are listening on the Podbean app, um, we're also on Spotify and iTunes. Apple. Or Apple Podcasts. Ap- Apple Podcasts. Yep. Sorry. I'm not. Listen, I'm <laughs> an and- Android Country user boys. here. So, oh, we don't even want to yeah, get into sorry that. Sorry about that. I'm trash. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, we're, we're trying to expand the, uh, the content so that everybody can see it. But, uh, you know, I've been – it was a great deer season I had, and I'm looking forward to shed season, like you said. I'm looking forward to turkey season. There's a lot of things to look forward to in 2021. Right. Amen to that, brother. Well, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up here, and uh, we've got some exciting podcasts coming up. We've got one next week uh, with shed season coming around, and I think you guys are going to want to take a listen to that because this guy – he finds his sheds. So uh, uh, check back in with us next week, and uh, we'll see you again on the next one.